Previously on Discography. What is the biggest regret, though, of your life? <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about that. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> Welcome to Discography, the music podcast that delivers the objective truth about the entire discography of every single artist and band that ever existed. I'm your host, Dave Gebro, and in this episode, we'll be turning our spray cans back on the zombies, alongside special guest Lou Barlow from Dinosaur Jr., Sebado, Centrido, and a host of other acts such as Deep Wound. And if you're tuning in for the first time, I just quit my job a few weeks ago while putting the Pavement series together because I do just about everything here. From obtaining the guests to doing all the social media, all the recording and editing, you name it. And I love it. Currently, I'd have it no other way. The last six weeks of my career as a hearing instrument specialist was spent literally editing and promoting the Pavement series eight and a half hours a day, nonstop, until there was nothing left to do but leave. So why am I telling you this? Because I'm doubling down on Discography. My wife and three-year-old son are doubling down on Discography. We're selling our house and planning on living as frugally as possible on the East Coast, and all of that just to ensure that Discography is the standard bearer for all that is awesome about music. So don't go anywhere when this episode's done. Subscribe. Coming up, we have the greatest interview Lou Barlow has ever given, bar none, objectively speaking. And then three weeks of Jim Florentine rating Black Sabbath, two weeks of Randy Randall from No Age rating Jesus Lizard, and on and on and on way, way into the future. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Check out all the back episodes. Trust me, they're all as good as the one you're about to hear. Share the ones you dig with your friends, post them all on your various pages and accounts, and tag me on the posts. I promise to join in on the musical merriment. Also, join our Facebook group, Discography Soldiers of Sound. We're on Instagram and Twitter, too, in case you don't mess with Zuckerberg. Also, please rate the podcast five stars, along with a beautifully worded review, especially if you're listening to the show on good old Amazon Music, or of course, Spotify. It'll help a lot. The link to our legendary playlist is in the show notes and also on our website at discography.com. And if you were like me, and enough is just never enough, then visit patreon.com slash discography and become one of our Patreon soldiers of sound. Our Patreon feed is the ultimate music deep dive. I post three shows a week. The main show on Sunday, then Discography's The Private Press with Paul Major on Tuesdays, and a Thursday wildcard episode, which is either an interview with that week's guest or one of our other offshoot shows like Rock Cousteau, Queasy Listening, and Battle Royale. So hey, try it for a month. You've got nothing to lose. Okay, back to business. First things first, you need to know just how seriously I take this craziness. Discography is heavily researched, and the music is always reassessed with fresh ears. We're not just covering albums. Uh-uh. We do a searingly honest deep-dive analysis of all EPs, singles, comp tracks, relevant solo work, and bootlegs. Every release is slapped with an objectively accurate star rating between 0 and 5, which allows us all to come face-to-face with the true shape of an artist's overall arc. And away we go then with special guest Lou Barlow as we scale the soft, smooth ridges of Mount Zombie 
minor key purveyors of breathy pop sads turned, well, at least they had the 60s. You're how old now? You're like 55 or something? Yeah, I'm exactly 55. Oh, you are? Okay. So this is, it's an interesting time of life, obviously, but it's like, uh, it feels like clearing the deck and being able to kind of see where, like you're on like a slightly higher mountain so you could see all the foibles and the, like douching ups and mistakes that were made, you know, in the, in the past few decades. And for me, at least get a clearer sense of what that stuff is. Um, and also I feel more distant from it so I can objectively probably tell you if I sat and thought about it for a second, like give you a top three biggest regrets and not feel attached or depressed about it because it just, it just is what it is. Mm. Yeah. Boy, I, this has nothing to do with the zombies, but <laughs> definitely not editing it out either. <laughs> I don't know. My but regrets you, are you have no intent- medical stuff going on, right? You're all healthy and yeah, I kind of, I kind of, you know, I've, I, I changed some habits along the way that were, that were, um, endangering me, you know, I'm about, you know, I learned how to moderate. <laughs> you, you, got, you gotta, you gotta give me some tips after the show. <laughs> really, I could really use some of that. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other story for a whole other day. So, yeah. all right. So, um, next up is November 1965's Is This the Dream? Uh, an Arjun song backed with Don't Go Away, a white song. So uh, this is the first one of 1966. I love the hey, hey, hey background vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely like a spirited pop stomper. And uh, the I, I will say that Arjun's keyboard solo that shit is all over the damn place. I don't know if you, in a good way, I, I don't know if you ever heard the Jerry Lee Lewis live record from Hamburg in 62. No. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to get, well, do you probably just, you're streaming stuff these days? Pretty much. Yeah. All right. I'll send you the record. It's so no, you got to know the background. So <clears throat> Jerry Lee Lewis's son had drowned and okay. he was, um, he was over in Hamburg with his band and they were all, I don't know if it was all of them or just him who was totally fucking torn up uh, with, uh, with meth. And so, you know, it seems like every band that was playing in the, in the, um, in Hamburg in 62 was so fucking hopped up on speed. Um, it was probably a pretty kicking place to be at that time because of that. <clears throat> but this album sounds like a punk record. There's literally no reason to hear the studio versions of any of Jerry Lee Lewis's uh, early work because of this record. I'll send it to you. Wow. Uh, anyway, the the craziness of Arjun's of uh, Arjun's playing uh, reminds me of that. <clears throat> Don't go away. The flip is uh, much more of a sort of folky thing. Very tender. Very much more sort of in that Bo Brummel vein. Um, and I'd never heard it before, uh, before doing the work on this one. I love it like mad now. Oh yeah. It's great. I give this single five, uh, five stars. I actually love it. Yeah. I, you know what I'm, I'm not, I guess I had never really focused on who wrote what songs, but now I'm realizing that Chris White, (laughs) he's a great songwriter. I think he's my man. (laughs) It's almost Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like, um, like Argent was Lennon and McCartney and, and, uh, Chris White was Harrison. 
Yeah, it's it's. I, I mean, I love Argent songs as well, but I but I think just I do really love. They're they're so like don't go away. It's, oh my god, I, that's such a sweet song. If you were to switch the A sides and B sides of this, like it, they of a lot of these songs, there would have been this run from "She's Not There." all the way through where you could have had all very zombie sounding these like sort of downcast yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like each, each single has each single has a thread of like what the original like the original you know what the, that incredible that sound of the band yeah. just don't go away i love you i remember when i loved her i must move you know those are those are all just so fucking i don't know they're gorgeous and that, yeah i don't know I would say four and a half just because just to differentiate it from i like it i like where you're going with this this is the mm. way to go all right so <laughs> <laughs> all right so january 66 yeah. uh we have uh just out of reach which is actually a colin blundstone song backed with remember you a chris white song so all the, i thought remember you was the a side so this was that uh that preminger movie bunny yep. Lake is missing yep which yeah. I've never seen. I saw it. I watched it when I was into. This. I got into the zombies. It was pretty. I don't remember much. It's not a great movie. It's not. So you saw it for this? Just to see them, yeah. I mean, I heard that they were in the movie, so I I read that yeah. they were in the movie, so I saw the movie. So you're saying in the last week or two you saw it? No, no. Oh, okay, I like. Saying, the... I'm saying back in the day, like back. Oh, in... I'd like to think that you really went balls to the wall for that. <laughs> My heart skipped a step, and then it, of course, shut down. No, I, no. I mean, they, they, they just their appearance in the movie is incredibly. Like, I think they're on TV in the movie. You know I mean? they're, they're, <laughs> so they're like in the background of the. Background. <laughs> yeah, they're like in the background of the background. It's just, it's it, incredibly disappointing because I was I was really hoping to to get a glimpse of what they. I mean, especially back then. Um, I think you, you can find some stuff on YouTube now of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, this that was just, not, right. this is not a major work by them. I mean, this is basically what happened was Preminger who, uh, I'd picture chomping on, uh, an unlit butt end of a cigar and pointing and barking orders. I picture it that way. He mm. won three songs by them. Uh, he gave them 10 days to do it. They didn't have any songs. And at the time, Argent and White were suffering from writer's block, apparently. So, wow. uh, so White came up with two. He came up with Remember You and Nothing's Changed. But third song still absent. So Blundstone uh, got uh, just out of reach. And it kind of sucks. I mean, I think it's like... Oh, I don't think it sucks. Oh. Well, for them. For them. <laughs> it's like... A to me, it's like a run-of-the-mill, no-brainer Beatles outtake. Um, you know, that's that's from my point of view, which is why it hurts so bad in such a real place. Uh, mm. So, uh, remember you, another haunting fugue in three, something they're very, very good at. Um, and it's a, it, this is a weird middle period for the band. It's kind of the weird, middle, unknown period of bombing singles, one after the other. Mm. Um, some of them better than the others, but but very few of them that I was actually familiar with before the trawl, which is like one after the other that kept surprising me. I give I give this one three stars. Mm. I go four just because I like I just I like just out of reach. I've always okay. liked it. I like it because it's it is kind of different for them. I guess you could say it's Beatlesy, although I never the 
the only bands that I ever feel like they sound like are, are like sort of the R&B sort of classic, you know, Spectre pop bands that they try to, that they imitate now. But, but I, or that, you know, a few of their, you know, like we were talking about She's Coming Home or that, you know, when they're, that's me, that's them sounding like another band to me, right. just out of reach. It still sounds like them. I like it's looser. I like that, like that the two main guys didn't write it. I like the fact that it is sort of like the oddball, like member writing, you know, the guy that doesn't usually write. I like that. I've always found that really charming. So I guess I'm more, I'm more like charmed by this single and I do like how loose it sounds. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's definitely an, a, it's catchy. It's also, again, it's in, in like, like all of their tunes, it's catchy. Like that's, yeah. that's the other thing about them is that I just, I find all, almost all of their melodies, you know, like almost, I mean, really, if you go through, I mean, there's so many, uh, there's so many things that are available now that you can you can pretty much you know anything that they recorded is now you can now hear it there's only a like a s- small handful of those songs would i say are, are like not m- memorable <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean, I mean they're, they're like they they really they really like they really had such a knack for making like really just memorable melodies and just yeah. out of reach i i actually find that one because i know i'm I think of that song, you know what I mean? I think of it and it'll pop into my head randomly and it has been ever since I heard it, you know? So it's like just out of reach. And then of course, remember you is like amazing. So I would, you well, know, I'd go with his very intense. Yeah. It's great. I would, I would go with, I mean, I don't think, I think out of all the, the singles that we've gone through so far, it's probably not the best. <laughs> it's probably, but it's, I'd still give it four, you know, it's still, yeah, it's definitely solid. And I think that they would uh, be very happy with that rating. Yeah. <laughs> um, so June 66, we have Indication, uh, by, uh, an Argent song backed with How We Were Before, another Blundstone tune. Um, so it, at first, what I noticed with Indication was that the that harmonic richness uh, is gone in their attempt to strike the same kind of gold that seemed to fall from the sky for them just, just mm. a year previous. Uh, and you can kind of hear the... Hear them strip the elements that are most intriguing to them out of the music in their bid to make this their forever day job. But mm. that's only how the song begins. That's the first. I hear that in the first minute, 45 seconds. It's, it's actually kind of off-puttingly straightforward up until that point. And that's when the trippy cosmic yeah. pop jazz kicks in and it gets easterny. Mm-hmm. And it's their first overt attempt to be really trippy that's what I love about this is that it's, you really think it's going into sort of, you know, the sort of plastic people sort of thing. And Mm. it really takes a sharp left. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's and then the flip is even more gorgeous. I mean, it's uh, uh, I think it should have been considered a classic. This one, how we were before is incredible. It's, yeah. I think it's one of their best songs. Well, it definitely is my favorite Blundstone song that he wrote during the, for the zombies. Mm. Yep. I give, I give this five stars. I, I'm a big fan of this. Wow. Five. Yeah. Wow. This is on the level of, their, of, I think maybe just like a hair under the, the, the first three. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'd be reflecting the, the fact that it would be a hair underneath the first three, I'd say four and a half, but. You can go seven eighths, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I always, I've always really, I mean, I love indication. I, I, you know, I, 
I like the the line like I'll hold out against sensation. I was always like, that's oh, that's cool. <laughs> I'll hold out against sensation. I'm like that seemed like like that's a interesting. That is it. I would I have no clue what that means, but that is <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like some hard hitting lyric though. And it certainly sounds incredibly meaningful. So, <laughs> September 1966, we have got to get a hold of myself, which is a cover. And then The Way I Feel Inside, uh, written by Argent on the B-side, which is that, you know, that really beautiful uh, acapella thing that Blundstone does. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that actually, I, today I was listening and there's there's actually several, like, band versions of that. They just, I think they just sort of progressively stripped oh, no away. Shit. Yeah, they, they just sort of, it's almost like, have you ever heard the, <laughs> have you ever heard the original of We Will Rock You? No, is it a whole work? Yeah, really? yeah. Yep. I, I, I did not. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's cool. But I mean, it sounds like a, you know, kind of a, just a, it's, well, it sounds kind of standard, I would say. It's not, it's like kind of a standard, you know, middle of the road kind of glam rock tune. They definitely did a, did a great service by stripping everything away from him. It's kind of, it's a genius right. move. Yeah. And the way that, and the, like, the way I feel inside it is, has sort of the same arc. Like it started as a, as a kind of like really nondescript song. You know, it's kind of what you were describing. I mean, it's, it would be like, it was actually as a band song, pretty unremarkable like, mm-hmm. for, a, for a zombies tune, right. but what, what they did to it and the way they strip it all down is like, but it's, but that also shows how playful they were, you know? So yeah. if this is, if, it, if this is sort of the latter part of their, you know, their career, you know, and they're sort of on their way down and they're still doing stuff like that. And it, it's just, and there, uh, there's actually some. It's it's on the I think it's on this Apple playlist thing that I was listening to, but uh, there's a lot of studio banter with around the original version of that song, like when they're playing they're playing as a band, and it's it's really interesting because they they just it just sounds playful and they sound okay, like I think it doesn't sound like the drugs. No, <laughs> speaking of the oh my god, no the drugs no. Uh, He's got a very special voice. Um, you know, it's hard not to get really immediately sucked into his vortex. There's, yeah. When you think of, like, if you just say the words, you know, breathy male a pop vocalist, uh, it's the first name that's going to come to mind for me. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> Speaking of breathy male pop vocalist, one of my favorite songs that you've ever done is on the... What is it? I can't remember the name of the collection, uh, but it's got Colix Jantara on it, and mm-hmm. the song is Strange Love. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? You know the one? Yeah. What yeah. a great song, dude. Thanks. <laughs> um, all right, so the Gotta Get a Hold of Myself single. Uh, here's another one that I'd never heard or even heard of before this trawl. And oddly, it doesn't even sound much like the zombies to me. I mean, they sure entered... 67 sounding pretty strange to me i mean not good strange more unrecognizable strange the the a side is one of their least essential tunes totally perfunctory they were spent they were a spent force at this point throwing a cover on the a and a previously released tune from begin here on the flip i give it one and a half stars Ooh, no thanks well yeah well, I guess if you're, I actually really like the cover. 
You do? I do. And I, I think there's a lot of heart in it. There's like so much heart. It's like just a very, very sincere um, tribute to the to that song, to that kind of songwriting. And it's like that other, I've been repeating this, but the, you know, I just feel like, I feel like they really, they probably really loved like Motown and they really loved like that was probably primarily what they listened to, you know, that I would guess, of course, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what they're, but I think that they were being, I think that that was probably really what they listened to. Like a lot of R and B, a lot of like specter yeah. pop, a lot of like, and I just, I just think it's a beautiful tribute to that, that music. And I think Colin Blundstone's performance on the song is incredible. I, yeah. I think it stands with, I mean, it's, it's like, when you talk about like summertime being like their version being the definitive version, like I really, I'd love, I love hearing Holland sing that, that song. And I love the, I love the B side, even though, yeah, it is weird that they, they did like drag it out from the, <laughs> from the you, album. I mean, it is a very slapdash. It's a very slapdash thing, you know, as like, if you think of it in terms of their career and yeah. it's not a, it's not a whole lot of love behind the choice there, but yeah. But there is to me like, be, but both of those songs are just really imbued with like so much of their passion. And I, and actually it's a really, I like it cause it's a really good juxtaposition. Cause it's, you know, you have like, it's totally like Colin totally stripped down singing the way I feel inside. And then also yeah. him just in full, like glory, like just as a, just reaching into the depths of his voice and, you know, you know, reenacting this kind of R and B stuff that may have been a little beyond their reach and may not have been, you know, really where their comfort zone was, but I, I like it, you know, I, I, I'd give it, I still would give it like four stars. Yeah. Know. This, this area of their career, uh, aside from the exhumed version of the band later on, uh, is really the gutter for me. I, I don't <laughs> like it. No, I'm, we're, I mean, I'm talking about two singles here. I'm only talking yeah. about. You know, oh yeah, of course. This, yeah. this one, I'm not a fan. Um, I, I mean, only got to get a hold of myself. The way I feel inside is totemic and iconic. But uh, March 1967, you have a, a cover of "Going Out of My Head," mm -hmm. uh, backed with "She Does Everything for Me," which is you know unassailable. But the A side, Jesus Christ, fuck this end of the road i absolutely hate it it sounds like they have been raped by the business like ned Beatty and deliverance there's oh. horns unrecognizable vocals you can't tell it's the zombies um and the b-side is something different entirely one for them i suppose right so it's insistent uh it's got that insistent pounding raga rhythm uh that definitely points the way forward that's I'm that's one of that's one of my favorite zombie songs actually like listening to it i mean i don't know that, that one right. that one makes me crazy like she does everything for me like, yeah, makes yeah, me yeah. nuts i, I like because the playing is really the the cool thing about it too is it it's pretty rocking it's like it's yeah. it's not you know they aren't it's like they aren't treading that lightly on this tune you know it's like they really like they're digging into it and it's like i it, it it's great i don't it's such a great song i you know to me it's like it, it i again like going out of my head i like i don't i don't it's like 
<laughs> I, I don't hold it against them. I'm just like, ah, you know, it's, it's a I, yeah, no, I definitely don't <laughs> hold it against them. But you know, a lot of those bands were doing that at that time. Like, like there was a lot uh, of bands. I think in that period, like sixty, you know, that sort of pre psychedelic period, like the bands that weren't super cool, you know, like the Hollies or. You know, I don't know. Like they didn't really know. <laughs> they kind of didn't know what they were gonna do. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was the whole. That was the point of contention over which uh, Nash split the group because they wanted to do. The rest of them wanted to do the Hollies sing Dylan. Yeah, exactly. They did ex exactly. That's like I. I feel because the Hollies. I mean, are pretty. Um, they're not bad. I mean, they have. Great, they're not bad. They're not yeah. bad. It's they actually. It's it's funny. It's a the Hollies. <laughs> a major point of contention with a bunch of guys in the discography soldiers of sound group which only points out the fact that the that part of our brain should be engaged with something else entirely like anything else like <laughs> studying about the habits of bees oh you know, anything <laughs> but in a, that's uh, right but yeah. the Hollies, you know, are they a great band do you just call them a great singles band uh, you know even their their quote unquote great records they're not great i mean butterfly is not great evolution's no. not great no those they're those well see those are the those are the kind of the the that's a they're a good comparison to the zombies like because it feels like every their stuff actually feels forced you know <laughs> like it does. Oh, they yeah. actually feel forced i mean their, their hits are fucking incredible like, they are incredible like as, you know, one, I, my favorites king midas in reverse that is just that's great that's yeah, amazing bus stops amazing uh, uh what's the Karis, what, what's the one that oh, stop, stop all your dancing the dancing stop dancing even <laughs> even the air that the air that i breathe and that's well, good long cool woman is a, a ccr pastiche but it's great it's great yeah, yeah. but uh but like you know you really get a sense you really like you feel like those like a band like that you feel them grinding into the 60s you know you're like ah oh, they're they're looking and they're grinding yeah and, and to me like the story could be the same for the zombies. They could have been on that same grind, but it never, to me, it never shows up in the music. Like I never hear right, it. Like I, right. I'm just like, to, I don't know whether it's just because I embrace them. I mean, actually, I mean, I, I was, you know, I was in my early, you know, 19, 20 when I got into the zombies. So it's not, I was, I was pretty cynical, you know, it's not that I, I mean, I was listening to like industrial music and the zombies. I was like, there was no, you know, I was, I was a, I was I was about extremes. I just loved extremes, and and I was very very nihilistic. But, but then, very... but then you started smoking pot. Thought things sounded better. <laughs> right? <laughs> I did. Well, the zombies were part of that. The zombies sounded yeah. really fucking good when I was high. You know, and that was a yeah. that was a it. And in fact, I must move is probably the top song as far as you know. It's got a very somnambulistic um, it does it does i mean it has like a, it, it has a kind of a there's a drum fill in that where, they, they, where it goes like but that that beat that he does is like it's like it's almost on par with rain by the beatles like just that yes yes it, the, it, you know, just it, with it, the way that it just like that just lays this the kind room. of psychedelia that actually seems more grounded in a sort of queasy displacement almost like um <laughs> yeah what's that what's that old um uh that old doo-wop song from the 50s um 
Not the Honey Drippers covered it. Uh, is it Sea of Love? That's the one they covered, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the original of that has an almost oh, yeah. dramamine begging uh, seasickness vibe to it. It does, uh, you're right. Yeah, right. and that is a kind of psychedelia that um, you you don't, you know, you're not like slapping sitar on something. It's something that is is oozing from the from the grooves, from the tape right. itself. Um, exactly. But going out of my head was was a was a highlight in the zombies career because they had gotten really big in the philippines it was a big hit for them in the philippines <laughs> so it was like uh, you know ignored i believe there you go that's yeah, see, yeah. It's, a, it's a decent version <laughs> <laughs> i fucking hate this song but you know it's funny because the a side is a zero and the flip is a five so i give it oh, the flip is a total five i'll give it yeah. a three i'll give it a three i'd still give it a four you know just because she does everything for me is crazy good and i and like i said i don't you know how i i've, I've made it clear how i feel about their their covers so yeah yeah no you're very you're the kind of fan that a band needs in their corner <laughs> 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 no, okay, and I am not possibly, but actually, with these guys, I kind of am. Phase three: the freedom of going for broke when nothing matters anymore. A notion that I'm guessing that uh, that you and I are both intimately familiar with. 1967 to 1968: Odyssey and Oracle, recorded during the Summer of Love, released in '68. After it was too late i'm guessing you're familiar with the whole story of you know this is kind of like we're over but let's just like one more for the road kind of thing right yeah i i yeah i am familiar with that so you know i can't even think of a corollary where like a band produces uh, a stone cold masterpiece that's you know seen as uh, as being on a level of sergeant pepper but the band was done by the time it came out odyssey and oracle all right so let's talk about the um the situation here so their label was quickly becoming uninterested the live circuit was drying up they pulled their own resources together and they financed this it's only their second fucking album and they're kind of doa and it's a sink or swim record they have nothing to lose because they're kind of done and the, even the even the name of the record uh, nobody gave a shit, so it was just misspelled right on the cover that was a misspelling or yeah. a tip it was a purposeful misspelling it was not a purposeful misspelling i don't believe how could some smart hold on the misspelling of odyssey in the title was the result of a mistake by the designer of the lp cover oh too. Terry Quirk, who was a friend of White's, the okay. band tried to cover this up at the time of release by claiming the misspelling was intentional. Ah, okay, but it wasn't them. It was the. It wasn't it was them. The, right, right, right. It was the artist. Right, right. Okay. So now we're in full psychedelic mode. It's the summer of love. Um, the zombies are looking around the room um, because you know they're at EMI. It's 1967. And look, look at this instrument in the corner. Look at that. Um, and what you have at the end of the day is one of the greatest masterworks of that time and of all time. Um, and the unfortunate nature of what was happening at the time is that almost nobody paid attention, really. Um, 
And uh, again, recorded between June and August 67. It's Abbey Road Studios and Olympic Studios. The stereo album mix was completed on January 1st, 1968. So at this point, morale in the band was like was down at the at floor level. Uh, two singles had been unsuccessful. That's Care of Self 44 and Friends of Mine. Two of the greatest songs ever. I mean, these are great songs. Totally unsuccessful. Um, and the the band had a you know had a sharp decline in their demand as far as you know playing live gigs. So after one final gig in mid-December 67, the band decided to call it a day. Um, So they're going into the release of this thing with uh, a defunct band. And everybody sees this thing, at at least at this point, as one of the greatest albums of all time. And when it comes out, there's no band to support it. Let's talk about the record. Hair of Cell 44, this song... (laughs) It's blank. Fill in the blank. (laughs) (laughs) Song is like probably the only, the only song maybe in history written to a woman who is being released from prison. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. What a great, and it was actually, you know, the, the working title of the song is prison song. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, what a what a great tune. Plus, it is so sunny that it is it, it's one of the uh, all time most you know insanely almost obnoxiously catchy in your face beach. Well, boy. you know, I really like and it. Reminds me of something I really like about the zombies is the, is it how like they aren't they're not masculine. You know what I mean? They're like. Oh. <laughs> And, and it's not to say that they're like it's effeminate, like they're they're because so, they're, they're it's that's not it either. They're almost like in a way they're kind of like the first. I was thinking about it today. I'm like they're kind of like the first indie band in a way because they're like they didn't they didn't they didn't play into like masculine stereotype stuff. There was no like I mean even their you know what I'm like there's so many there's they've got like. I mean, besides friends, they've got at least two other songs that are like written from the perspective of like a, a guy talking to his friend saying, you know, she really loves you. She really does <laughs> right, love you. Right, like right. they actually have several of those songs where they're actually. And the and funny they, thing about that, that's so perfect, <laughs> is that these guys are so fucking nerdy and bookish that it's one generation removed because the prospect of them actually engaging in any kind of romantic interplay is impossible because they just read about this stuff. So it's always about she and he and you, not. And they also, they take a very like, and also the reoccurring theme in the songs. And this is something that like, when I look back at my songs, sometimes I wince because I'm like, I've really come to like, I have, I have, uh, I have a song called willing to wait, you know, where it's just like, you know, I'm willing to wait my turn to be with you. And it's just sort of this concept of like, you know, you, you've left me, you know, you're, you're having an affair, <laughs> but I'll be here waiting I'll be for here you. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and I have to say, you know, we're talking about being 55 and looking down at the rest of your life, looking down at those moments now to me, I'm just like, dude, well, the zombies were really into that. Yeah. That, okay. that mode of songwriting. It seems so, like Chris, yeah, Chris guys, White in particular. These guys are uh, pushovers left, right, and center. <laughs> Here's another one. Maybe after he's gone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that one. I heard, I listened to that today and I was like, oof. Yeah. 
Are you sure? I mean, and, and it, but it's such a, it's such a beautiful song. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, one final note about Care of Cell 44. Actually, a couple final notes. <clears throat> it was, uh, working title was Prison Song, but I didn't know if you knew this. The second working title was Care of Cell 69. <laughs> that is true. So they're, um, uh, they were told they couldn't call it that, and they so they acquiesced. Uh, that's funny. I mean, maybe they really... Maybe the, yeah. I saw it. I saw uh, there's a YouTube live video of them, uh, and Colin Blunstone is wearing a sweatshirt. It's like a, I think it's a Miller High Life sweatshirt, and it says "Breakfast of Champions" on the bottom of it. And I, and I was like, I was like, what is that? I was like, is that the first ironic T-shirt? I was like, there's that strain of sunshine pop that is so sweet that it goes beyond what Brian Wilson will capably throw. It's more in the Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Betcher territory, right? Like the, yeah. the oh, yeah. and in millennium. And this fits very comfortably in that, in that zone. So moving ahead, a rose for Emily with that one bar of the piano, uh, with the reverb drenched. I always look forward to this musical moment with bated breath. The whole, that whole record is, is that there's yeah, just there's, there's, moment, these, there's little pauses and then these, then something like, yeah, kicks in or, and there's, it's this, so a rich, rose for Emily. Fuck man. It's a perfect little confection and Blundstone calls that shit his bitch because <laughs> I mean, the way that his vocal caresses uh, the track. Yeah, it's really well recorded. It's really nice. Yeah. Maybe after He's Gone is next. Uh, another uh, Stone Cold classic. It, this one, I would say more like a junior classic because Care of Soul 44 rose for Emily. That That's as good as music gets. Um, I do like the minor key verse transitioning into the shiny bright rainbow of the chorus. And the Gregorian chant round finale is also stunningly good. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it, indeed it is. And then, and then we have Beachwood Park. So we have, uh, you know, by the way, the, the, you have Chris White has three songs in a row. Mm -hmm. Maybe after he's gone, Beachwood Park and Brief Candles. It's, it's, what a great showcase for his, his talent. Beachwood Park. Kind of uh, more more mellow and kick back than a lot of the stuff on the record with very breezy background vocals. So I believe the whole first side, the first six songs, there it's perfect. There's nothing there's nothing that's not of classic status. Uh, Brief candles is amazing. Yeah, that chorus it's just a fucking party each and every time it kicks in. So triumphant. Um, Hung up on a dream is next. That's one of my favorites. That's a yeah, I, really good. I, back with Argent. That's I really do like that. Yeah, I listened to some weird, kind of a strange version of that today that was on that Apple playlist. I can't. It, there was no overdubs on it or something or a mono version, but it was like it was a little different. It was, it was more muffled. It sounded slower somehow. <laughs> but that's, but that song is amazing. I mean, it's just like I really. I think that, that song really blew me away when I first heard the record because I had yet to have a girlfriend. How how old were you when you had your first kiss with tongue? Uh, probably twenty one. Really? Yeah. No way! I, wow. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Wow! I was a I was a. That is late. Yeah, I was were lonely. You, were you nervous around women? Is that what was? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was, paralyzingly. I was, I was paralyzingly scared. 
with women. Yeah. I, I would shake physically when I was talking to a girl. Well, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I uh, still, to this day, when with when I'm hanging out with my wife, I just get so nervous. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> It'd be so That's funny. Like, That'll be great. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's um, so that's wow, that is kind of late. So yeah, that was my that hung up on a dream was my big like virgin tune. Huh? Yeah, I can't. to wake up. Well, then I woke up only finding you, only but a dream. I love that. Perfection. <laughs> that, that yeah, it's that, like da 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 da. So great. So now yeah. we're on now we're on side B, and a lot of my the, I think I think uh, there's a few come from behind classics that are really. You know, when I think about the record, I think of a couple of surprising songs, maybe, uh, on the record. But <clears throat> we kick it off with Changes, which is a Chris White song. Uh, my least favorite song up to this point. Um, it's still good, but not quite at the level of the, of the first side, I think. There's a super dense Mellotron intro and a very prominent bongo boom bap going on there. Um I don't really, uh, it, it's almost not playlist material. I think that mm. like this, this one just gets in on our hallowed playlist. Um, it's a very ill-fitting combination of square and hippie too. So there's like Corral Beach Boys vocals with bongos and Mellotron. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were kind of square a little bit. They were, yeah. yeah in, they, a good, in a good way. <laughs> I want her, she wants me, which I love that lyrically, this is more a conceptual thing. Like it's a, a mood is I want her, she wants me. I think that's super cool. Um, <clears throat> so it's a kind of a hyperspace pop song that's like really ADHD with countless melodic rivulets and offshoots that almost uh, like it feels like mycelium that's growing off it. Th this song's an A+. <laughs> one of the best songs they ever did mm. so good i changed the rating system wow <laughs> From numbers to letters <clears throat> do you hate that song no i don't hate that song all right good this <laughs> <one's right here. laughs> i don't hate any zombie song except for uh, no except no no except for uh we're getting don't worry we're getting a butcher's tale in a second this will be our year this is probably the best song of all time. I'd covered that song. Have you heard my cover? Oh shit! When I did it for uh, a Valentine's Day special, pandemic Valentine's Day special. I did not know that. You gotta I'm, check it out. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's even it's on Spotify too. It's on like... uh, objectively, is this uh, better than the original? My version? Yeah. No, but it's pretty good. It's actually better than I would have imagined it could have been. I'm so psyched to hear it. Yeah, it's like actually because people always tell me that I sound like Colin Blunstone. I'm like, no fucking way am I anywhere. You do in that, in that zone. Do. But so, then ha actually doing the song, I was just like, oh, maybe because I could. I didn't think I would be able to negotiate the the chord change in the song because it it yeah. does the whole. But uh, I'm like, actually, maybe, yeah, you know, <laughs> I have a very pronounced Blunstone quality, but it's through your own sausage grinders so it's kind of like you know that's my like grinder rod, rod stewart with david ruffin or something you know <laughs> yeah that's <clears throat> but I, I did i do yeah you should check it out 
Everybody should check that. The second, the second I hit stop, uh, <laughs> I'm going right to it. Um, all right, now I want to tell. Now we got to talk about this, okay? Because this is the only bad song on the record. And if only Butcher's Tale Western Front 1914 would just fuck the fuck right off, the album would be completely perfect. So I've always hated that this song existed. Mm. I, 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 I do now because it actually came, I was actually coming on a playlist today while I was listening and I was like, I can't do it. I can't stand that song. Because just what surrounds it is so top shelf. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think it's a. I think texturally, it's a really. I. I mean, I think in, in terms of like night records from nineteen sixty seven, it certainly fits the bill. You know, it's a weird yeah. little odd tune that, that you throw in there. It's like it's it's there. It's you know, there's plenty of. It's a period piece deal about war. It certainly fits. It fits, and it's also the fact that it is stylistically and all that stuff texturally kind of uh, the oddball. But I think that's it's in fitting with the time. I never minded it really, Did I, but I read today that the, they wanted that to be a single. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Which I mean, sometimes an artist is just a, such a terrible judge of their own output. I don't get that at all. I mean, you clearly like, have really. <laughs> promising material on the record for singles that is not one of them <laughs> well that, that that maybe they just wanted that was their way of being relevant at the time they're like we gotta put this out yeah yeah and they really had not taken a, a stab up at that point uh, speaking of period piece uh efforts about war i'm curious about your stance on the uh charlatans style um, psychedelic uh, Western town kind of a thing, you know, like an old Western, but they're playing like, you know, psych bills. San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. So oh. the Charlottes were the first motherfuckers who adopted that, you know, Western garb. Oh. Thing. Do you oh. think that? And then, and then bands like Beachwood Sparks came in and, you know, beat it over the head. But oh, yeah. the Charlottes started that. Do you like that? for uh for a psychedelic garb or do you feel like it was uh no no i lo i like the i read the 13th floor elevators book and it was there was some really funny description of, of them showing up in san francisco and they were just like you know shit kickers you know these guys dressed in street clothes and everybody in the in san francisco were dressed up like old-time bartenders or something. i can't remember what they said <laughs> but it was just like that they were just in uh yeah, I think Frank Zappa also said a lot of really withering shit about that too. I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's that's no surprise there. <laughs> it wasn't much on yes. the thing in general, but I'm sure. No, exactly. He was. He was. He did not entertain. He was not. He didn't suffer hipsters. No, but we had to suffer. You know, some of the solo albums. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I I was. I'm not a real. To be honest, I'm not a real San Francisco fan you know, 67 oh, really? early or like 60 yeah, i'm not like a 60 the san francisco scene was so locked down by like yeah. uh bill graham and that whole scene of the whatever the western garb guys and yeah i love were, i love moby grape i love there's some moby, yeah that's good stuff that is some true. of the second tier stuff is some of the greatest shit i've ever heard yeah and also for all their idealistic uh you know hot air horse shit i had such a weak spot for the airplane 
Yeah, they're really good too. That, I, what am I talking about? I just I don't know. <laughs> and the dead. I've never, I mean, the dead is just from sixty-five to seventy-seven. Uh, they're uh, infallible in my eyes. Are you a you are you a dead guy or no? No. 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 I could I could I could put some stuff together that would change your mind. Anyway, friends <laughs> friends of mine, an, another greatest song of all time, Chris White like just going nuts friends of mine is is so catchy it's it's mind-boggling i did hear that song a couple of times during the course of doing my homework and i i, I became really fixated on all the couple's names right right <laughs> right and, and look this is what you were talking about before it's literally the ultimate example of that it's talking about like a hundred people's different relationships <laughs> And it it's also, uh, you know, uh, it really is just a, a fucking TNT blast of pure joy. It's so good. Um, even better than the big single, Time of the Season, <clears throat> which, by the way, Blundstone hated, didn't want to do it, wanted Argent to sing it, and he had to really? be talked into it. Great song, obviously. Not much. Maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't like the Who's Your Daddy line. <laughs> I just like I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. That's a little, it's a little masculine for me. It's a little heavy, don't you think? <laughs> Daddy. It kind of is for them, and and I, it always kind of feels a little weird getting to that part. It does. I don't know. I really. I think I love it though. I because I see, see, you were you were kind of saying that you thought that the the zombies were not getting laid, and I have to disagree. I don't think. I think that they probably had really sweet steady relationships i think that they were they were probably all had girlfriends from the beginning of the band even do you think they offered them pins as one did at that, at that time <laughs> they possibly did i think they probably they did, did sweet sweet stuff they like <laughs> like, my dad my dad bought my mom uh, an engagement ring he kept a receipt just in case the response was not to his liking Nice. <laughs> um, all right. So, look, one bad song, as far as I'm concerned, but overall, it's you know truly one of the greatest albums of all time. It's a, uh, it's really a joy. It's a joyous salute to a career that uh, that really truly seemed to be completely in the rearview mirror at this point. This is. It's no Kinks Lola or any kind of embittered, uh, you know, Venom Sprang thing. Uh, these guys are just grateful to be in a recording studio doing what they want to do, and you can hear it. Not really worthy of mention is Time of the Season's B-side, I'll Call You Mine. I never liked that. But that being said, the record itself, a very hard five, even with Butcher's Tale. Yep. Sweet. Yep. Here's what went down. Time of the Season was released as a single in 68 and spent a long period as, I guess, what was referred to as a, a, at the time as a sleeper. And eventually in 1969, it grew into um, you know, a big hit and peaked at, I believe it was number three. So in 68, Arjun and White begin working on material for for you know what may be a new band um when they're approached by cbs to do another zombies album so there a, a few new tracks were cut uh with argent hugh grundy 
uh, Jim Rodford on bass and Rick Burkett on guitar and combined with some old Decca outtakes and demos that were kind of hastily overdubbed and enhanced. And um, it, it was supposed to come out in 69. The album was canceled and only a couple of the songs, Imagine the Swan, and If It Don't Work Out, uh, were put out as singles instead. So uh, 1968, I Love You, which we already know about, and the flip, I, The Way I Feel Inside. 69, Imagine the Swan, backed with Conversation Off Floral Street, um, which we'll cover when we get to the record itself. And then in 69, If It Don't Work Out, backed with Don't Cry For Me. Now we're at Rest In Peace, The Lost Album. This is uh, a release that was never actually put out at the time. It was recorded in December 68, finally released in Japan in 2000, and uh, it's a mixed bag. What are your thoughts on this? Let's start um, with She Loves the Way They Love Her. I, You know, I listened to this stuff today, and I thought I always thought I didn't mind it, but uh, I kind of hated it today. Yeah, because it's a Vegas take on the zombies, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what it is. I just don't like. I think well, there's there's a lot to. I mean, you talk about this like the sort of bouncy pop that that the zombies do. Like I have almost no tolerance for that music by other bands. Right. I don't know why. I kind of don't. I just like I, I've never. You know, whenever I hear that that dum 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 dum, dum that, that beat actually, and then any kind of like flowery late '60s psychedelic stuff, I, I have a real distaste for it. Like. Right. That maybe people wouldn't expect me to have but i the zombies are one of the few bands that really pull it off and i, I don't know it's the depth of the sound it's blundstone's voice it's the songwriting because i do think the melody i think they just like uh chris white and rod argent were just legitimately like really catchy songwriters they just really knew yeah. so because a lot of times that kind of bouncy pop that's not catchy to me i mean it's like it makes me want to kill I mean, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, yes. ah, yeah, yeah. I can't music that sort of, that sort of like is performed as if it's catchy. That's totally dead is, is just, it, it, I find it maddening. But this is, I mean, this and is, this is, it, this is that stuff. This, this is the, it's like, it's almost, the, it's like the zombies with, with uh, the soul kind of torn out of it. And also, yeah. yeah, they also, also the other thing too, is like, she loves the way they love her. It's like, that's actually taking a different kind of philosophy. It's like, it's taking a more aggressive approach. To like talking about a woman you know it's it's more like you know this they're talking about the vanity of a woman and i'm like they kind of didn't do that before everything that they the way that they sang that was the thing i was sort of talking about their they're not quite masculine approach to stuff you yeah, know like yeah. they, they, they were very respect i mean it seemed very respectful you know in general and that to me it's just like i I hearing it today, I was like, Ugh. are you saying that you interpreted the song title as look at her, that attention heart starved whore? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I did yeah, yeah. today. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually I mean, never heard, you know, I'd you know never really heard it that way to that, to that, um, uh, that, you know, that breakdown of it is this kind of off puttingly show busy, hard left in the music style that, that feels like there's that disconnect it's like there there is no heart in this it's just uh i mean i don't think look i don't dislike it as much as you i i actually think it's decent um i think let's just say it's good enough i suppose i i thought that way i felt that way too for the last 35 years but 
today my mind changed it's it's it, it does reek of this sort of ersatz like playing at sort of a thing what i think is worse is imagine the swan i do oh god yeah that too it's the I same thing like that. so again with the sort of cod vegas psych bullshit, it's like taking acid with tony orlando oh it's, well. it's gross <laughs> fucking gross that's not a good song smoky day though is a complete course correction that's gorgeous very atmospheric flute intro the plucked harp the masterfully roomy production it's yeah. all completely 100 percent fitting for the material and yeah. that could have that could have been on odyssey and oracle almost yeah oh, totally and it's got that you know very evocative knights in white satin romantic ballad vibe to it like that um like a romantic ballad with psych trimmings which there should be more of that kind of stuff i really like that kind of like the late night time life commercial kind of a thing this was a totally conceivable way forward for them, I think, and was left on the cutting room floor of history, which makes no sense. Smoky Day is, you know, possibly the best song on here, I think. Mm. And there's the rest of the songs on the on that side uh, are a big nope. Girl, help me. I could spend the day in conversation off Floral Street. Um, yeah, no good. Uh, it's like ladder, ladder era hollies. Um, yeah. Then side B, if it don't work out, uh, that's that one is a course correction. There's, it's a really really good song. I love the droning background vocals and the string stabs, um, and the wailing brass in the coda. There's, it, it is an, kind of an unsung classic. I think it should have been a big hit single. I'll call you mine. I've always hated that song, <laughs> uh, and I know you do too. <laughs> I'm not. I'm yeah. Actually, I don't, that one did not sound good to me today. Yeah, that one, <laughs> dog shit. I think when Chris White misses, he misses hard. Um, yeah, he also hits hard. So <laughs> I'll keep trying. Uh, a killer pop tune. Um, the riff, the way that it just wanders all over the place, kind of reminds me vaguely of "And Your Bird Can Sing." Mm -hmm. um, I know she will. Great Chris White song. Yeah, that's another one of those. I know like where he's consoling this his friend of his that the woman I know she will I know I know she will don't worry she's still <laughs> yeah. in love with you she she will be a world <laughs> warm to her I think there's the yeah, there's that line like she'll warm to you <laughs> like warm to you. <laughs> it's like I was gonna, I've always been fascinated by that line like she'll warm to you that had to have sounded dated even at that time. Uh, <laughs> So don't cry for me is is next uh, probably the most outtakey thing here from Chris White, uh, yeah. and then walking in the sun which is very pretty. That I one. love that. I love that song. That was yeah. actually my, that was my favorite zombie song for quite a while. That's I, really good stuff. I loved love love that song. I love walking in the sun. Let's talk about the elephant in the room just for a second. Argent's voice compared to Blundstone's is not impressive at all. That I think is an inherent weakness of the LP. Ultimately, I give what, what songs is he singing? Because I was listening to it today and I was like, I couldn't figure. I was like, wait. I don't a know offhand. I just remember it. Uh, the stuff on our on Rest in Peace kind of you know washing over me i wasn't really all that impressed and it was a real yeah. down so i give it three stars it's not bad but yeah I don't, well i mean it has walking in the sun on it and it does have some 
Yeah, three sounds good to me. I, I, I didn't really know about this concept of the lost album. I mean, even though I had, the, I have all this stuff on different. I would, I didn't really know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of just like odds and sods kind of thing that they chose to call an album. But yeah, some of it was was recorded in what was then present day, and it wasn't. It was kind of you know it was imagine the swan and I'll call you mine. It was yeah. that kind of stuff. Anyway, now we move into a less savory part of their career. So Lou and I are going to pick up the pace so that none of you, um, you know, slip into a narcoleptic stupor. Plus, my wife and child are parked down the block, and it's not worth keep, keeping them there for this material. So phase four, Plodacy and Boracle, 1968 to 2022. Lou's already getting nervous. I can hear him. <laughs> Okay, now it's. <laughs> I heard some of this today. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's. I, I can't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know indeed. Okay, so let's talk about the first um, 20 years. So from 69 to 88, um, <clears throat> after Time of the Season became a big hit, they declined to regroup for concerts. That was, that was it, it really was. So um, there was also the same kind of bullshit that was happening around that time quite frequently, including with the Moby Grape, which is like all kinds of, you know, falsely concocted bands trying to capitalize on the success and touring under the band's name through the actions of unsavory promoters. <clears throat> so there were fake touring entities of the zombies, all that kind of stuff going on. In 69, wow. Rod Argent formed Argent with Chris White. Um, as a non-performing songwriter. Um, Atkinson worked at A&R at Columbia. Uh, Hugh Grundy joined him there after a, a, after a brief time working as a, as a car salesman. Blundstone <laughs> started a solo career after a brief period outside the music business, including working in the burglary claims section of, this, of an insurance company. Uh, both Argent and White gave him uh, new songs. He also did uh, studio vocals for the Alan Parsons project, which I did not know. Oh. <laughs> um, and Atkinson retired as a performer and worked as an A&R exec for, for a bunch of years. The only music uh, from the Zombies I came across during this time period, the first 20 years after the band was from 78. There are two demos from 78, Hold My Hand, aka Lula Lula, and When My Boat Comes In. Both are tacked on at the end of 1991's uh, also shitty New World. Both are okay, and both are also sadly better than anything they'd ever do again. The first, Hold My Hand, is a folky, finger-picked Fogelberg kind of a deal with layered, mysterioso-type harmonies that unfortunately shoots for CSN and lands on Firefall. Uh, the second is a sad sack jamboree, but at least there's something that is vaguely interesting. This is the very, very last time it would be like that. I give it two and three quarters stars. That's 1978. Eleven years later, <clears throat> let's talk about how their sound has irreparably changed in the intervening 20 years. Uh, this is not a slightly less good version of the band we've come to know and love. Uh, it's not like we have to learn to accept a slightly less amazing version of them. It's a completely different sounding band. Uh, the instrumentation is now a vague synth pad wash 
that hovers over a blank space, which serves as a poor substitute for the absence of a band we once knew as the zombies. Also, I figured maybe those yawning empty spaces should be filled in with sonic details that amount to an actual song. Um, but I, I, Lou, I don't know if you actually plumbed through all the recordings. No. Did, <laughs> no, no. You know, this is where being a rock star is preferable <laughs> to being a podcaster. <laughs> I feel like I have a duty to the audience. Like you, I listen. You to obviously, it. do I, I? No, I just. I I heard some of it today. Just the textures are so off-putting. I can't. So off-putting. So in 89, Blundstone, White, and Grundy, they briefly came together as the zombies with a, uh, a guitarist keyboardist named Sebastian Santa Maria. They recorded The Return of the Zombies. Return of the Zombies, I give one star. Nothing to talk about here. 1991, New World. <clears throat> uh so this is uh, pretty damn bad. This also gets one star. Some interest is kicked back into the band with a 120-track compilation of the uh, original band's work, Zombie Heaven. That's the box set. It's um, incredible. And the material that would have made up the unissued R.I.P. LP is pretty much all there. So you have that, right? So you have yep. all that stuff. Even the, yep. you know, the last dregs, it's, it's all in there. Uh, Blundstone and Arjun didn't play together again until late 99. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they got back together and played again. So uh, in 2000, they got together under Colin Blundstone and Rod Argent and uh, recorded an album called Out of the Shadows in 2001. I give that a half star. Wow. I seriously have nothing. As Grail Marcus once famously asked, what is this shit? Okay, so in 2001, they resurrected the Zombies as a recording and touring unit with Jim Rodford, his son Steve, and a guy named Keith Airy on guitar, whoever the fuck that is. Uh, Atkinson died later that year. Um, in 2004, As Far As I Can See comes out. It's their fourth album. Pitchfork gave it a .9 out of a 10. I thought they were a little... <laughs> Again, that's a point nine. I give it one and three quarters stars. All right. So <clears throat> then in 2011, Breathe Out, Breathe In comes out. It's not a good record. I give it one star. It really sucks. Uh, I have to hand it to him. At least it sounds fuller. That's all I can really say. In 2012, the band members participated in the unveiling of a commemorative plaque uh, where they met for their first rehearsal at the St. Albans Pub. And uh, to Lou and I's dismay, in 2013, it was announced that they'd be appearing on the second annual Moody Blues Cruise. <laughs> Lou, I'll meet you there, brother. In <laughs> an album called Still Got That Hunger comes out. Okay, Aww. I'm going to say that the very first song, the only song since 1969 that i've liked is on oh. this record yeah. um i'm actually going to put it on the on the playlist it's called and we were young again this mm. really sounds like the like the most that the zombies have ever sounded like themselves since the 60s um <clears throat> and it's not a great it's a it's a great song it should actually have been a hit on the adult contemporary circuit it's i wouldn't say it's a great track but it, it it's befitting of their state of their stature. It's worth hearing. That's why I'm putting it on the playlist. 
<clears throat> um, Jim Rodford died uh, in 2018. The band were inducted into the Rock, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019. In late 2021, they announced that they'd be uh, undertaking big, big tours. Um, in January 2022, it was announced that the UK part of the tour would be, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> the only thing that matters in the newest copy of Mojo, Colin Blunstone remarked that a new Zombies album is actually ready for release, unfortunately. He says, because of the pandemic, everything has taken so much longer. <clears throat> he adding that keyboardist Rod Argent had written me real cracking songs. So yeah, hmm. just like real life zombies, these fuckers never die either, no matter how wow. many they kill them. So here's let's talk about the overview and shape of their arc. From July '64 okay. to April '65, they were completely pure and only knew how to craft masterworks. He's coming home and it's bombing in April '65. Put an end to that and set in place a schism in which the band didn't know which muse to follow: the muse of success were the muse of artistic ambition achieved. To them, as jazz fans, they were usually two different and utterly separate ideals. Ultimately, the second guessing, the fickle marketplace, and the incorrect perception of the band as hopeless squares of the past had them doomed from the start. They were only truly a going concern as a functioning recording unit for a total of three and a half years, from July 64 to mid-December 67. Ironically, once they got the right to do whatever they wanted artistically, they churned out a consistent stream of who gives a flying fuck. But oh well, life is messy and rarely works out like Dino Jr. <laughs> Top three songs. Number three, Tell Her No. Number two, Care of Self 44. Honorable mention, this will be our year. Number one, Leave Me Be. Worst song, Going Out of My Head mainly for what it stands for lou <laughs> oh i gotta do a top three okay i'm just I'm, uh oh I'm shit just, you didn't do just, your homework no i didn't know i had a top three but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do it <clears throat> like right now my top three she does everything for me is three mm -hmm. um i must move is number two number one is walking in the sun damn really <laughs> sure Talk I felt that way. Okay, wait, so give me worst song and then let's return if we can to Walking. <laughs> the worst song is uh, yeah, she loves the way they love her. Okay, like that okay, that's fair. Talk to me about talk to me about Walking in the Sun because I didn't get the and I kind of blew right by it. I wish you'd stop me now, but this is as good a place as any to talk about why that song is so resonant for you. Uh, I don't. I, it's I loved it when I heard it for the first time I, I i like that it's it's like i, I i'm thinking of like right now i'm, I'm trying to i'm struggling to articulate why but but the lyrics are popping in my head and you know it's just the if they only knew the joy i share with you they'd be walking in the sun it's like i don't uh I like what, the I, I like the, I like that it's like it's this this it's marching forward. It's like we'll be it, there's just some, like it's just such a beautiful hopeful I'm not song. listen to me. Listen to me, man. <laughs> I am not letting you get away with that description. 
We are going to slow things down. I know. Close your eyes and think about what that song does to you. It makes me feel like I'm walking in the sun. Okay. <laughs> All right. So do you remember when it hit you like, holy shit, she's not there. Tell her no. These are all great songs, but I cannot believe what this is doing to me right now. Do you have, yeah. have that experience with this? Well, I, I think I had already like a, I don't know, because walking in the sun was like, it's kind of the unknown, you know, it was sort of, sort of one of the, it was a, the outlier. It was yeah you're done you're done with the you've you've heard the the hits you know thousands of times i mean actually night you know by the time you know 1986 had rolled around i mean i'd already heard you know she's not there on the radio millions of times and right right i actually heard those top hits like a lot you know they were still all very well played on all these radios so and um in, in walking in the sun was actually a little more immediate even than the stuff that was on odyssey and oracle yeah and i thought it was heavy like i, I always thought i always kind of wanted to cover it with dinosaur jr like just huh. it's got this it's got a real insistent like i don't know I, and, and the way the bass actually goes like do, 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 like really rolls around like yeah as it, as it starts to sort of climax and then um but it's it's a little it's a little for them actually it's a, it's almost heavier than their usual stuff it's a little simpler than some of their stuff than a lot yeah. of their stuff yeah. too which i also which kind of appealed to me just in my own style like i just felt it was something that was like it felt like my song you know it's like i was like oh i could do that you know i, I like that that one that one just had a certain i i don't know i felt like it was mine like i felt like i was singing it you know when i would hear it it's just well, it, it kind of it just kind of makes my it it makes my heart sore you know and i i actually heard a version of it recently that i i was not familiar with that had strings on it it sounded great too but yeah that's right there's two versions um mm-hmm. and both of them are they they feel very different but they're both very good versions yeah it's just a real charger i mean it's it's un, it's a sort of unusual for them um but uh i don't yeah, I mean, know as a general concept if these guys were how you know consciously you were allowing their muse to guide you through through your work but i see a strong connection um it, it was a uh after a few sort of like uh rounds we were bumping into walls trying to figure out a good band to do uh, this really turned out to be <clears throat> you know, uh, a great choice. And, you know, the format for this episode, which unexpectedly wove back and forth between the zombies and you, uh, is, I believe, always going to be one that is dear to my heart because uh, I believe that it kind of took on, we allowed it to take on a shape of its own, and I'm always going to be in awe of it for that reason. <laughs> Good luck at it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let it let it itself, and I'm just going to be there. <laughs> it shouldn't be that difficult. Uh, Lou, we've never really met, but it, uh, it almost feels like uh, uh, long lost brothers here. We got into some deep, dark places, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you going there. No and worries. You, you've made a friend, and if you ever need anything, man, you just reach out. All right. Thanks, I mean, Dave. I mean, I mean not, not between the hours of uh, 2 a.m. and 5 a.m., please. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, that may be the end of the line for the Zombies catalog, but it is not the end of the line for Lou and I. Tune in next week because Lou and I sit down and have what is objectively, absolutely, unquestionably, 100% the greatest interview that Lou Barlow has ever given. Before we let you go, a heartfelt discography thanks goes out to Todd Zimmer, who does art and graphics, my beautiful wife and son, Jen and Mason, and for the last time, I will be thanking the great Joe Cravino, who has served with a great allegiance for the last year in helping to post the episodes and do work on social media. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to my good friend Joe uh, for helping me out for that long. We're really going to miss you. And by we, I mean me. See you next week on Discography. Discography.